0: Hello, welcome to the Holism Podcast. This is Brent Simpson. Don't really have a musical introduction today, so that's a little different, but we're going to be delving into some pretty heavy topics in this particular presentation, and it really does build off a lot of the concepts and frameworks that have been laid out before, so I would just suggest, um, A, if you're sensitive to heavy data that's kind of has dark, you know, shadow and maybe even some ugly, really it does, some really ugly kind of ideas. I'd, I'd, you know, turn you away from this and say maybe you shouldn't listen to it. But I think this stuff is important, on the other hand, and that, you know, it it should get out there. As they get deeper into it, you might just see how important this actually might be to the world. Um, but that is to say that this is going to be pretty deep, notions and you really might need sort of the philosophic baggage that I've brought to the table so far to kind of untangle this mess. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at Har Sith Lords Real and what does that mean to the world if they are. So by jumping into this um, I'm going to talk first about a concept that Ken Wilber talks about and you know he has this um, system that is uh, brought up before integral theory and, you know, he, he really delves into the idea of both states of consciousness and stages. And he makes that distinction, and I think it's a, you know, useful distinction in many respects, but um, one, one of the, the states of consciousness that I think has conjunctive stage levels to it in some sense, and I've kind of delved into that a little bit in some of the early conversations, relates to this concept of um, indigo, in his framework, or, you know, coral in many respects, in the uh, spiral dynamics system. And what might be emerging with that system is something that I have come to call interbeing. And this is just a word that I've been tossing around about the idea that is, you know, akin to what Star Wars sort of presents with the Force, it really emerges maybe a little bit in the stage before turquoise, um, but I think it really can potentially manifest itself in a profound way in the next stage, which, again, Ken calls indigo or Spiral calls coral, although in Spiral Dynamics they don't really say much about that level. It's more found in kind of Ken's framework, really, uh, and, you know, sort of pioneer philosophers on the outskirts of these things that talk about it. But interbeing, the way I've framed it up, is this idea where an individual can almost step into the body or connect with the body of another person at a distance. It was absurd that is that my sound? Um, I personally have had a lot of experiences with this, and this is going to be some shadow stuff that I've really dug into, and I, I've i been in the dark a bit, i got to say. I, I really did fall pretty, pretty bad for a while. Um, I think I've dug myself out a bit, a fair bit, but... There was some dark moments in my life, and I'm going to delve into that a little bit. Um, I kind of did a little bit in a previous podcast, but I'm going to show another angle to it here in this particular podcast. Uh, So, you know, I I, I might make the contention that coral is a relatively neutral uh, value system, much akin to red, but the shadow is one that's very emergent in this landscape or very potentially emergent. And with that, you know, there's a lot of potential for impulsive attitudes and, you know, you know, deviant sort of sexual and aggressive kind of potentials that can emerge there. Um, you can imagine with the capacities of being able to connect with people at a distance and with them not knowing that you're doing it or something akin to this... It opens up doors where you could do a lot of damage or help, depending on the context of your innate being, for individuals at a distance. And, you know, I think that particularly the sexual impulses are very, very profound here and that that, that I can easily diverge you to do deviant behavior in that landscape. And it takes a lot of willpower, I think, to escape that in some sense, And this is where I want to delve into from a few different angles. So using my framework, let's do that. Fractal dynamics, we'll start at the material landscape and... The contention is that, you know, physiologically there is a sort of merging potential with another being at a distance and how that works and how it actualizes itself is still a bit of an open door and question for me how that how that could be but I think it has a lot to do with psychic capacities or your mind actually to some degree merging with the other and that it starts in more of a physiological landscape despite it being Psychic, or something. Uh, I might be off on this a little bit, but and then it goes upward in its complexification, upward in its spirituality. And so you can get more and more um, sophisticated modes of that connection as you go forward. So the physiological thing is like you actually start to feel into the body of the other at a distance, okay? And then the next step might be something akin to. The vitalistic, and the vitalistic um, is not that far from the material, of course, um, but it's it's actually feeling the um, sort of sensory capacities of this individual. So you're, you maybe even start to get some sense senses like the touch capacity and things of this nature. Um and then as you get into the more mental component or subjective landscape, you're connecting up with the mind of the other. And this is where it gets really precarious and really you know, potentially if if it's an unwilling participant, you can imagine a sort of a puppet master of an individual here. And this is where I want to draw into the parallels of Sith Master, because you could imagine where an individual essentially has mind control at a distance of another individual and by, you know, bodily embodying the other person, and the other person having almost no control over their physiological happenings. And it's a very, I would say, you don't have to believe anything that I'm saying here, but I would say that it could be a very, very scary kind of thing, depending on the amount of control given over or such to the other individual. And so, you know, this is you know, again, could be used in very profoundly positive ways um, to uh, uplift other people when they're down or these sorts of things, Um, give them new kinds of capacities that were never available to them and things like that, so upgrades and enhancements and these sorts of things, or again negative in the sense of mind control and physiological control. Sounds insane, I think, to most people, but the nature of evolution sounds insane to most people on the whole. So if you look at like what a cell phone is, that would seem insane to people just 20, 30 years ago in many respects. So these sorts of things, again, how they physiologically or scientifically, objectively, empirically work is still a little bit of an open question to me. And I can understand why most people would say this sounds like magical thinking or something akin to this, but, uh, I guess I'll use the referent to someone like uh, Rupert Sheldrake as maybe being proximal to a uh, kind of understanding of how this stuff works, like the idea that you can actually sense that you're being stared at from a distance or that an animal knows that you're coming home before you're actually coming home. How How does that actually work? Is there sort of some substrate in which there's a mental connection that can extend to another person at a distance? And if there is, then how does that actually work? And why does it work the way it works? And these sorts of questions open open up. So... My contention is that it does, that there is something, in fact, going on there, and it's something that you'll have to delve into your own, on your own. But again, a good good person that I'd point you towards is someone like Rupert Sheldrake, maybe. And so if that is the case, then we have a really kind of um, precarious thing that could be opening up with, with coral in some respect. And I, I point out to those people that are maybe on the verge or have already opened the door to coral is that this stuff is in my opinion, very real. And it's stuff that you might have to face into, particularly the impulsive qualities of it, much akin to red. And that means like sexuality in ways that you wouldn't have thought possible. And this can be thought of like practically or pragmatically as the door opening through things like virtual reality, right? Um, If if we have matrix kind of level virtu- virtual realities in the next 10 years, then it would be very much the case that a lot of people will get kind of locked into these virtual worlds uh, where, you know, the sexual fantasies of the almost um, unbelievable are possible and therefore, you know, people get overrun by this stuff and they might get, <clears throat> it would be easier to control a person when they have lost all inhibitions uh, through impulsivity and these sorts of things. And so it's very much important to get a hold of our impulsivity now in ways that we might not think needed, maybe, so that we're prepared for going into this. Because as there is the case with red, the next stage might be one in which my contention is that it is where you know, controlling our impulses is the next key step to actually building a better world. You know, you can imagine a world that is sort of in chaotic flow and flux, with the emergence of this new tier, and without people kind of um, being, you know, strong-headed about these sorts of things, we could easily cascade into greater chaos. And there's even a, a deeper thing that comes to mind for me, and that's that if something like Rupert Sheldrake's thinking is right, then these morphogenetic fields get passed on to the children. And that means it's a harder time for them to run through this stuff in the future. And just practically, it would be right. So it's a very important thing that we are, I think, um, sort of brandishing these things as, as you know, not socially adequate, and that we need to be Um, living into our highest potential through this stuff. And that wouldn't necessarily be easy. It wasn't for me. I'm just gonna be honest. I, I went pretty dark for a while through this. And I think part of it was that, uh, when you're, when you're one of the first, people through it, it's hard to know. And I'm not trying to explain this away. I, I really think I didn't do well through this uh, transition. But that is all to say that, you know, you don't have a lot of guideposts and signposts to walk through walk you through it. And so that's kind of the reason I'm trying to speak out right now is that I want to help people a little bit walk themselves through this stuff. Because again, I feel this is very real. And uh, I might have some ideas on how you can actually Make your way through a fairly heavy forest in some sense. there's not there's not a lot of guideposts, but there might be a few voices in the forest that can help you walk walk your way through it. Here's the even heavier thing that i I feel I must bring up or ought to bring up, and this is related to politics. and you know, I can't say for sure that this is actually going on in the political realm, but my contention is is that there's a decent chance that it is, or that it might emerge, and if it hasn't, it could. And that would mean that you could see individuals in partic- particularly places of high power where they are essentially in control or controlling um, individuals